What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Barbell Bacon Bros. Jay Cruz is not here, so I will have to fill in for him and do his little barbell bacon bros. <laughs> we are here with another special guest, uh, a friend of mine from the, one of the gyms that I work out at, Laura Dennis. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. Absolutely. And this episode is pork chops and pull-ups because you like pork chops and you like the gymnastics movements. There you go. Yeah. I'm really good at barbecuing pork chops. So is barbecued pork chops like the go-to? De- absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yeah. okay. And the key is to not overcook them. Uh-huh. Because you don't want them to get like that dry... Yeah. Ew. Not do you, good. Do you have a particular like marinade or rub or something that you put on them? It's usually some kind of rub, some kind of garlic. Any rub that works on, on steak will work on pork chops. Okay. And with the bone in, definitely. Yep. And they're so quick. They're very fast to cook. Yeah. yeah. So I, don't, I feel like people don't typically eat pork chops anymore. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's a super common thing. Yeah. Yep. How often do you have them? Probably weekly. Like once a week? Or once like, a week. Okay. Once right. a week. Yeah. Not, not yeah. like on the daily. Yeah. And my kids, I brought it up to to my son and he was like, brought up uh, pork chops and applesauce. I used to feed that to my kids all the time when they were little. Okay. You know, the sweet and savory. Right. So I good. Did you put it on the pork chops? No, like you kind of this... dip it. You know, it's kind of... Oh. The, the applesauce is on the side. It's after you cook it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've done lamb with the like apple mint jelly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've done pork chops with. You're gonna have to try it. Applesauce. I, I don't know. You're gonna have to try it. Right. So good. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. <laughs> so you are here because you are a registered dietitian, mm-hmm. and we talk about food. Pretty frequently. I mean, every episode has a food in its name. So we thought it'd be cool to talk to somebody who is like a legit expert in the field of nutrition. Awesome. I, I'm really happy to to you know have this conversation and um, and you know try to give as much information. I would say that I'm not an expert per se. I all right. You're out. Podcast episode over. <laughs> Right. Totally kidding. By yeah. The way. <laughs> I mean, the the term expert is is I hold for you know PhDs and but um, but my career as a dietitian has been been pretty interesting. And so, what does that look like? Like, as a registered dietitian, what do you do sort of on a regular basis? So I um, I work. I'm a clinical dietitian. So I work in at Mercy San Juan Medical Center. Uh, in the NICU, so I'm actually a dietitian uh, for premature babies. Oh wow! And um, it's a very unique uh, area. Um, and in that arena, I would say that I'm pretty close to an expert. I'd say um, I've done it for almost 24 years. Ooh, wow. And um, premium nutrition has changed over many, many years, and it's so exciting um, and really interesting and it does really correlate what I do in preemies and then what I see in regards to sports nutrition and the things we need um, in the athletics that we do 
um, there are some similarities. It's really interesting. Um, to give you some, some um, perspective, a premature baby, um, I will, um, protein is most important, um, absolutely most important. Okay. And um, the amount of protein that I feed them is like uh, a 200 pound man eating about 450 grams of protein. Oh wow. That's the, <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. The comparison. Um, wow. Calorie wise, it's like a 200 pound man eating almost 13,000 calories. Huge. That's insane. That's insane. Um, minerals like iron, um, preemies grow so fast, they have to create blood ridiculously fast to maintain um, their blood volume as their body grows. And so we have to supplement iron. Um, I looked it up, the amount of iron that we give a premature infant, um, if, you, if I gave the same amount to that 200 pound man, that 200 pound man would have to eat 30 pounds of beef a day. Oh my gosh. To, <laughs> to get the same amount of iron. I, I mean, I like beef. Right? I don't think I want to eat 30 pounds in a day. No, no. So yeah, so that's what I, that's my day job is I, I grow um, little tiny babies. The smallest baby we've had is, was around 400 grams. So that's less than a pound. Oh my goodness. And I grow them um, nice and chunky and they typically go home usually around five to six pounds. Okay. Yeah. That's and my day job. Sweet. And so how do you become a registered dietitian? Like what's involved with becoming that? Yeah. Um, you have to have a four-year degree um, in some type of dietetic field. So um, typically the choices are nutrition science, community nutrition, or a dietetic degree. So it's a four-year degree, and then you have to do a dietetic internship, which is anywhere from six months to a year. Um, mine was a year. I did mine at UCSF Medical Center. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you have to sit for an exam, pass the exam, and then you become registered. Uh, every five years, you have to have continuing education um, that you have to submit, or you'll lose your registration. Um, and... Um, sometime soon, I don't know what year, if it's this year or next year, but they have changed the requirements and that dietitians will have to have their master's degree as wow. well. So I went back and got my master's in maternal and child nutrition in 2015, um, but it's required now for a registered dietitian. So um, the internships have kind of done a combination where you can get your master's and your um, uh, internship done together. So it's, it's a lot of education. Yeah, that's a ton. Yeah, and it's a lot of chemistry. Like nutrition is not an easy topic to really understand, especially in regards, regards to um, um, biochemistry and, yeah. and hormones and so many things that go into it. Um, it is, it's a pretty difficult um, degree, so. Which is crazy because like, and I feel like it's this way in the fitness industry too, like, 
it seems like everybody is sort of claiming to be an expert. You've got all these people who are like, oh, I did this and it worked for me, so everybody else needs to do this too. Mm -hmm. And yeah. there's, you know, there's all these people trying to do this stuff, and yet you went through this huge process with mm -hmm. all this education to become, like you said, you're not even an expert, but to become somebody who actually knows mm -hmm. about diet and nutrition. Yeah. Yeah, um, social media has has given people a sense of of importance, uh, and if it works for them, then it must work for everybody else. And um, I thought about um, this kind of question in regards to registered dietitians versus um, people that may have done some type of you know nutrition certification online um, whether it be a few months whether it be you know a few hours you take a test and all of a sudden you're certified um, and the difference between getting information from a dietitian versus getting information from somebody that um, has an online certification at best or someone that doesn't have any any of that at all like a lot of TikTok influencer <laughs> people. Um, hey, hey, easy on the social media influencer thing here, okay? We're kind of you a gotta, big deal. You gotta be careful. <laughs> um, but really, it's, it's, and I looked it up, um, and I meant to bring it, and I forgot, um, um, is like the discernment. You're going to get discernment from a dietitian. And what I mean by that is that a dietitian is going to um, be able to identify those nuances in each individual person mm -hmm. because nutrition for you is going to be different than nutrition for some other guy versus nutrition for somebody for a woman or a teen and there's so many individual variability that um, people without true education can't really they can't discern that they don't really get the difference right. um, looking at data um, which it sounds like you do a lot of. I, I read all the time. And, um, and I am by far a skeptic. Like, you don't want me in the audience in a lecture. <laughs> you really don't. Because I'm the annoying one that is going to ask the questions. I'm going to be the one that's going to um, kind of push, really try to get to what whether what they're saying is true or not. Yeah. And, um, you know, reading, reading data and reading papers, just because a paper's written doesn't necessarily mean it's good, right. doesn't necessarily mean the results are actually true. And you can't just read an abstract and say, hey, this paper said this. This is the results. You literally read one little paragraph, and um, that's if people even read the research. Um, you have to look through, you have to read the materials, and you have to figure out, were the subjects um, comparable? Did they control for the right things? Um, so you're talking like legit scientific papers. Legit scientific papers, yeah, yeah. And um, you're not going to get that from I, what I'd call like a lay nutrition person. Okay. Um, and um, a, great, a great example is... Um, um, grams of protein. So let's talk about grams of protein. K. 
Okay, because that is a big one. Right? It's a big you know, one. Particularly right? in the CrossFit and Every, like bodybuilding, powerlifting yes, world. Yes. Every it's all about protein now, right? Of course. And so and macros, right? Yes, macros, macros is a biggie. Are big, big thing. And so, you know, how much protein do you need? So the number that is thrown around is one gram of protein per pound body weight, right? So um, someone who may not have the the education to just question that number, um, that might be what they give to everybody, right? You get one pound, uh, one gram per pound body weight, I get one pound per body weight, one gram per pound per body weight, um, you know, someone else, you know, it's all the same ratio. Um, but um, when you say body weight, well, if you're talking about somebody that's lean and is of normal weight, and then you talk talking about somebody that um, has maybe 40 pounds to lose, or you're talking about somebody that has 150 pounds to lose, is that one gram of protein per pound body weight? accurate? Is that correct? Should you use their actual weight? And if you shouldn't, what weight should you use? How do you get to that number? So that would be my question, right? Because it right. would be really easy to say one gram per pound of body weight, yeah. like flat, period. Right. So regardless of how much you weigh, how much yeah. you have to lose or gain, yeah. that one gram per pound is nice and easy. Yeah. So how would you decide... You know, oh, you don't need that. You actually need this much instead. Exactly. Well, if you're looking at, um, um, and I, I, uh, a sports dietitian that I listen to all the time uh, and read um, her papers is Susan Kleiner. She's a PhD, RD. She's done sports nutrition her entire career. Um, she's in Seattle. Um, and works with the, the female basketball team in Seattle. And um, and looking at athletes, one gram a pound, one gram per pound body weight for athletes is actually on the low side. Really? For them, it's rather low. Wow. They're lean, they are, their uh, activity levels through the roof. Um, you know, they might be at one and a half per, um, per body weight. Um, but for somebody that is, let's say, 300 pounds, and you need to lose 100 pounds, um, you're gonna you're gonna want to assess that protein intake based on um, fat-free mass. So, um, and that's gonna be a number that's gonna have to be, you know, figured out via usually DEXA scan, um, um, because you don't want to you don't want to use fat mass as part of that calculation for that scenario. So typically, it's um, if you use per pound, it's lower for the more for the heavier people. Um, so it might be 0.7 per pound, um, but the leaner ones, it might, it's typically closer to one. Okay. Um, so it's just that that kind of question, because a, a lay nutrition person may not even have that thought in their head. And the point seven is kind of a starting place. I don't know. Are you familiar with E.C. Sinkowski? So she's a, a nutritionist, um, has master's, maybe even Ph.D. She has a podcast called The Consistency Project. Mm -hmm. um, very involved in CrossFit. And her sort of starting point for mm -hmm. people is point seven. Mm -hmm. That's where she says you should start and then work from there. 
Yeah, yeah. And it also depends too on are you, um, um, is your goal to lose weight? Is your goal maintenance? Is your goal to, um, to bulk up? And then, and then you have to have calories to be able to support those goals as well. And that's a whole nother, you know, that's another story. <laughs> and, you know, and I've, you know, I've heard um, things like um, um, calories don't matter. Right. What? <laughs> like, like what? That, that is crazy. Calories absolutely matter. And, um, you know, when you're talking about macros, you can't do correct macros if you don't estimate somebody's calorie requirement correctly. There's just no way your macros will be off. Yeah. And that's, that's an extremely difficult thing to do is to figure out somebody's um, calorie requirement. And I will, I'll give you an example. Um, I am working with somebody that um, um, asked me to help them with their nutrition and um, um, in regards to weight loss. And she's got some hormonal um, um, situations, some things that would, um, would cause her metabolic rate to be low. And, um, um, but she works out all the time super strong and um, so it's kind of like you have a metabolic condition that would drop your metabolic rate you work out all the time you're very strong muscle mass is good um, so if you if I just used a standard calculator to figure out her calorie requirement I'd be way off so I had her go have her resting metabolic rate measured and it was ridiculously high, shockingly high. It was, I would have underfed her for sure. Wow. If I hadn't had her do that. And I think most people would. So, um, so it's, it's really difficult. It's not an easy thing to figure out what, how many calories somebody requires. And something too, I just learned, um, that is, counter counterintuitive it's not what we think mm -hmm. is um, especially in regards to endurance runners cyclists people that do very high intensity long um, duration activity that their basal metabolic rate is inversely proportionate to their activity really so you would think that somebody that runs every day 10 miles a day, you know, an ultra marathon or training, um, would have a ridiculously high metabolic rate, basal metabolic rate. Um, no, they don't. Because their body, their body literally conserves energy, their basal <clears throat> metabolic rate drops because it essentially knows that it's gonna have this massive energy expenditure via running or, or cycling or any of those other things so they've just become really good at conserving when they don't need to expend exactly yes wow yes and i've seen that in someone else and where we've measured her metabolic rate as well and it was so interesting so yeah 
So it seems like the nutrition thing, if you will, in mm-hmm. quotes, um, could be really, really, not could be, is very in-depth, very detailed, you know. For the average person, though, like, what's a starting point? Maybe, like, what's your what's your sort of general philosophy, if you could give it to us, like, in its simplest, shortest form? <laughs> um, uh, I would have to say that um, I am not... I don't think we should be restricting any major food groups. I think there are benefits to to all food groups, um, and um, getting enough to eat. And especially, I'm talking to women more so than men, um, but women chronically under eat, and we've been told this forever dieting and weight loss and fat loss um, that um, you know the standard eat three meals have a few snacks afternoon and evening typically you can have a snack at night it doesn't make you fat what yeah (laughs) calories during the day and calories at night are the same I don't believe it I don't believe it I read a book once I'm just kidding totally kidding Anyways, I mean, literally, eat three meals a day, have some snacks, um, um, you know, moderation, um, um, be realistic. It's kind of start, you have to start wherever somebody is, right? What are you doing now? Um, And what are your biggest challenges? And then go from there. You, You can't just give somebody a blanket... You know, do this. See you later. That it's not going to work for them. You know, especially if you don't have realistic goals. So, um, you know, uh, color makes me happy. You know, I want my food to be colorful, and um, and I think that's really helpful in just getting fruits and vegetables in. Um, I have a um, the. You know, I've been, I've done CrossFit for almost 12 years now, and I have lived with the paleo mantra Okay. for 12 years, and some of it, there's parts of paleo that I think are great, um, um, you know, the whole foods, and, um, but at the same time, you know, it restricts huge, huge categories. Grains, for the most part, dairy, um, and and at the top of it, no sugar. Really, like, who lives like that? <laughs> that that is the most unrealistic expectation. No sugar. If you eat sugar, you're bad. If you it's eat true. sugar, you better come to the gym and work it off. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it. You know, eat less sugar. And also, what sugar? There's sugar in milk, lactose. There's sugar in fruit, fructose. You know, we're talking about added sugars. Um, But saying don't eat any sugar ever is not a realistic expectation for most people. 
and um, limiting excess sugar, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, the recommendation is um, 25 grams for women and 35 grams for men of, of added? added sugar. And there is four grams of sugar um, in one teaspoon. So it's about six teaspoons or two tablespoons, let's say for women, and about three tablespoons for men. So basically you're advocating dumping three tablespoons of sugar I'm saying that that is, no, (laughs) that's not what I'm saying. Dang it, I thought I had you. That's the acceptable amount. (laughs) And then that that is, that's appropriate, right? Because people don't live within a bubble, they don't, you know, um, yeah, the no sugar thing just drives me crazy. Would you say though, like... If you're eating sort of in the paleo-ish world, if you're eating mostly whole, unprocessed foods, mm-hmm. would you say you typically aren't doing a whole lot of added sugar at that point? Well, if you're following paleo, um, you know, you're not eating yogurt, which typically has some amount of added sugar to it. Um, if you're, you're not eating any grains at all, um, so yeah, I mean, if you're following a strict paleo diet, you know, you probably aren't. Um, but like I said, it's not necessarily a um, an intake that most people will want to um, want to follow. Yeah. And you don't have to. You know, if you have some added sugar in your diet, doesn't mean that your diet is shit. You did. Damn. We'll have to have Jay Cruz edit that out. Oh, I'm just, just going to have to edit it. <laughs> I was going to... I haven't had any F-bombs, so I'm doing oh, well. I'm so proud of you. Right? <laughs> so it sounds like you're not a fan of some of the, the quote-unquote fad diets. Like, I know carnivore has gotten kind of big in the last maybe five-ish years. Keto was really big for a while and still kind of is. And there's lots of other diets like that, like you said, where they take it out and sounds like you're not a fan. Right. No, I'm not a fan. Um, The the way we nourish our body, we kind of have to get away from, I hate using the word diet sometimes because diet kind of has the connotation of like fat loss or some type of, you know, um, um, under eating of some type. Um, but nourishing your body should be something that is sustainable, something that you're always going to do. Um, and how people eat is affected by so many things, right? It's affected by our childhood, how we were brought up. Um, you know, I was, I came, I was raised with the whole, you know, um, eat everything on your plate. Yep. You You, don't get dessert if you don't eat everything on your plate. You can't leave the table until you've eaten everything. Yep. I remember times where I'm sitting at the table still at eight o'clock at night because I'm stubborn and I wouldn't (laughs) eat it. And my mom learned to not let the dog come in because then she would, you know, I would not have pegged you as stubborn, wink, wink. Right? (laughs) Um, So childhood, um, cultural, 
and religious beliefs um, have a huge impact on how we eat. Um, and so many of these diets don't take, can't take any of that into account. And, um, um, and it's, that's why I like the idea of, of you know, nourishing your body, fuel your workouts. And um, so many of these diets, whether it be carnivore or keto, um, they're so restrictive. And, um, and like I said, they, they get rid of all um, um, major food groups. And one thing that is super concerning, I feel, in regards to keto and carnivore is just um, gut bacteria and your microbiome. Like, you are, it is big time jacked up. Really? And um, because our gut bacteria in our colon has to have, carb, has to have carbohydrate, they have to have fiber, um, that's what the bacteria fuels. That's what it grows off of. And if you don't have any plant source in your diet or very little, you are not going to be supporting um, a beneficial um, gut bacteria population. Um, to give you again another example in the preemie world or just baby world in general on how important gut bacteria is, um, breast milk. Breast milk contains um, something called human milk oligosaccharides. You can think of it as a prebiotic. Okay. So it's like um, a, a fiber, um, per se, in breast milk. That there's more of that in breast milk than protein. And I told you how important protein is, right? right. It's the third largest component of breast milk. Can the baby digest that? No. The baby cannot digest huh. human milk oligosaccharides. Cannot digest it. It is solely there to feed the gut bacteria of the baby. Interesting. And that the amount of human milk oligosaccharides in breast milk during that first month, especially the first week with colostrum, it's through the roof per liter. Concentration is really high. Again, because it's extremely important to feed that good gut bacteria to proliferate and support um, um, the development of the immune system. And same thing is true, you know, throughout the life cycle. We need to have good bugs. <laughs> good there you bugs. go. I like that. We need good bugs. <clears throat> So we've been talking for a while, and maybe I should have started with this question before we got into all the details, but like, why is nutrition so important? Why is all of this stuff that we're talking about important? Particularly, you know, you do CrossFit, I do CrossFit, like I'm sure most of our listeners are CrossFit, like why is it so important for us to have the right nutrition? Um, it. Nutrition fuels everything that we do. Um, we need nutrition for um, to support our just basal needs. We need it for immunity. We need it for um, <clears throat> um, to fight off illness. We need it for just general breakdown and rebuilding of tissues and muscles, and um, that's just the basics. 
and, um, and then in addition to that, all of our activity. So for a lot of us that come to the gym almost every day, some come every day, they don't believe in rest days. Rest days are important. It's true. It's true. But, um, um, but you know, we, we're expending energy. We are breaking down muscle mass and rebuilding muscle mass. Um, we have to have nutrition to be able to support that. And um, again, I go back to women that um, um, have a job and have kids and come to the gym every single day and um, feel run down and exhausted and can't keep their eyes open at eight o'clock at night and get sick often. All of those things tell you that their energy demands are higher than what they are consuming. And if you want to build muscle mass, right? We all want to get bigger and stronger. Um, if, you're, if you don't have a calorie um, base to be able to support that, you're not, gonna, you're not gonna be able to do that. You can't build muscle without adequate or optimal calorie. You need a calorie surplus to be able to build muscle mass. You're not gonna do it in a calorie deficit. You want to at least hopefully maintain your muscle mass in a calorie deficit. Right. So it's um, so important. Um, there's something called the, um, oh no, it just left me. Um, literally. So annoying. Um, something called uh, energy availability. Okay. And energy availability is the energy that we have available to maintain our normal health. Um, and there's, a, there's numbers specifically, um, and it's based off of fat-free mass. So for women, you don't wanna go, female athletes, you don't wanna go below 30 calories per um, uh, fat-free mass, okay. per kilo fat. Now when you say fat-free, is mm -hmm. that different than lean body yes. mass? Yes. Okay. So lean body mass is muscle mass. Fat-free mass is everything. Okay. Your bones, your organs, um, because all of that take energy, right? Your brain. Mm -hmm. um, that is all of your fat-free mass. Um, and if you aren't, if you are not meeting your energy availability needs, you you're gonna feel run down. You're not going to be performing in the gym the way you want to, um, and it it just goes back to, you know, getting the calories that you need. And most most women, um, their calorie needs are significantly greater than what's in the idea in their head. Really? Oh yeah. You know, fifteen hundred calories. Yeah, that seventeen hundred. Yeah, that's all I need. No. No, you, I mean, some women might need 2,500. Um, I mean, for, for me, um, weight maintenance, it's between like 1,900 and 2,400. And I'm postmenopausal and in my 50s. And you're not big, you're... Yeah, yeah, just, so it's, you know, um, but probably, you know, even for a dietitian, you kind of get into this, for women, again, this mentality that, you know, we need less. And for most women, we actually need more. So for women, you said not less than 30 calories per 
pound kil- per kilogram fat-free mass. Okay. And is there a number for men? Men is 40. Okay. Minimum, absolute minimum. Yeah. And um, it's, yeah, we, we need to nourish our bodies, fuel our workouts. And that's the fueling our workouts also is kind of where I, when you have blanket statements like no sugar, right? Um, that might be okay for CrossFitters, maybe. Um, but if you have an endurance athlete that's going to run a marathon um, and you tell them no sugar, that's, that's crazy um, because they're going to need to have an electrolyte drink of some sort that has sugar in it. Uh, um, you know, polydex, um, maltodextrin, or some type of simple carbohydrate. Um, they're going to be eating goose. They're going to be. Um, they have to have it. They're they're expending a ridiculous amount of energy. Um, you know, my son, who cycles, um, he stopped buying. You know, the the electrolyte drinks, and um, he makes sugar water, huh. literal sugar water. And it is kind of painful for me to watch uh, I, because he's got his scale and he, you know, weighs it out and it's a lot. And he puts it in his water bottle. He fills it up. He knows exactly how much carbohydrate he needs per hour. He is on it and, you know, he's completely successful. So in those situations, sugar is needed. So you can't necessarily say no sugar. Yeah. Because um, if you were telling somebody, an endurance athlete, giving them nutrition advice, and you told them that, that would not be appropriate for them. There's a time and a place. So. So where would you say, for the average person, um, I feel like most people are still in sort of the weight loss idea, right? Like most people right. feel like they want to lose weight. So for the average person who's kind of in that world, where's a good, maybe not super complicated place to start? Uh, um, in regards to, in regards to like getting advice, or in regards or, or to m- just starting to make the changes, like where should people kind of start? Um, I would start with just knowing what you're currently doing. That's a really good thing. Um, so if you're not tracking your um, intake, I would start tracking your intake and really get an idea of um, how much protein are you eating, um, how many calories, um, and, and do multiple days and definitely do um, um, a few days where you're going to the gym because your intake's probably different. Definitely do a day during the weekend because your intake is always <laughs> different on a weekend. Um, try to look at three or four days and get an idea of, of what your intake is. It could be that your protein's too low. I think, again, for women, if they're not really pushing their protein intake, their intake's going to be probably less than what they should be taking. Um, I would definitely start there. And then I would get there, get a DEXA scan. Um, you can either get a DEXA scan or you could do um, the in-body scan. Um, the, the only difference is that 
Um, the in-body scan will not give you as accurate results, but it's perfectly fine if you're looking at um, um, the change, right? So um, if you are going to start some type of diet um, or change your nutritional intake mm -hmm. and you do the inline body scan and then in four or five months you check to see where you're at, the difference um, is going to be reliable. The actual numbers will be a little bit off okay. per se, but the actual numbers really don't matter for the most part. Um, because none of us are like boxers or, you know, uh, wrestlers where we got to hit, you know, an actual true body weight. Um, um, so I would, I would definitely start there. Okay. Uh, and then, um, um, and then, you know, get the protein up, you know, so for, um, I would, you know, I think the 0.7 is a perfect place to start. Um, and have that as a, um, to see where you're at. Are you under that? Are you over that? Um, I think that's a perfect number for most people. Sweet. Yeah. So speaking of protein. Yes. Pork chops and pull-ups. Pork chops and pull-ups. Pork chops have a lot of protein in them because they're meat. Yes. Yeah. So we put together a little workout that mm -hmm. goes along with the episode pork chops and pull-ups. Yeah. And it's three rounds. It starts with 20 walking lunges, then 15 pull-ups, then 10 alternating dumbbell snatches. Mm -hmm. Then when you come back through for round two, your pull-ups change to chest-to-bar pull-ups. And then when you come back around for round three, we up that again to bar muscle-ups. Mm -hmm. So the walking lunges stay the same, the dumbbell snatches stay the same, and then we go pull-ups in round one, chest-to-bar pull-ups in round two, and bar muscle-ups in round three. Sounds exciting. I know you I like love that. I know you like the gymnastics stuff. I so. do, yes. Yeah. Fifteen bar muscle ups are is a thing. They all slow you down a little bit at the yeah, end. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a feeling, you know, like most of us I shouldn't say most of us, because you have bar muscle ups. But there are I don't I, have a lot of them. I have some. <laughs> I would say the majority of people who do CrossFit probably don't have bar muscle ups. So obviously, just like always, scale the pull-ups down. Yeah. Maybe you keep the pull-ups the same the whole time. Mm -hmm. Maybe you go jumping pull-ups, pull-ups, chest-to-bar pull-ups. But, you know, we want people to be smart and take yep. care of themselves and not do anything crazy while you go bust out your bar muscle-ups. Yeah. I, I, yeah. 15 <laughs> at the end of a workout, probably not going to happen. You could also scale down, right? Like you said, you have yeah, a few, so maybe you right? do five instead of 15, yep. you know? So yeah. lots of different options for that. Yeah. Um, any closing thoughts you want to leave everybody with? Uh, closing thoughts. Um, I, I think my, my emphasis, I guess, on nutrition for people is to to have a positive relationship with the food that you eat you know we ask our bodies to do so much and we push it so much that um, fueling our bodies in a way that appreciates what we actually ask it to do every day um, rather than looking at food like um, 
uh, like food is something you should hold back or or it's a uh, a give and take like I did this so I have to do that type of thing that's not um, that's not a, a very healthy you know way to look at it but really nourishing your body and doing it in a positive manner and um, and just having some appreciation for that and you know it's 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 okay to you know have some ice cream at night I know a very strong person that will remain nameless <laughs> that eats ice cream <gasps> all the what? time <laughs> yep I'm just going to leave it at oh, that dang. you heard it here first <laughs> we have a registered dietitian who gave us permission to have ice cream <laughs> well Laura thank you so much for being on the podcast really appreciate it it was great to sit down and get some of the details of nutrition and stuff. It was fun. I'm really glad I, we did this. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. And uh, don't forget to give that workout a shot. Let us know on Instagram how you did. And we will talk to you all next time.